episode 12 of the podcast entitled uh, Cheap Therapy, which I think it just started recording now. So, um, so guys, this is episode 12 of the podcast entitled Cheap Therapy. I'm very excited. We're doing a Skype call with one of my very close friends, Wesley Lejeune, with an R. There's several R's in that last name. Wesley Lejeune, uh, me and Wes were very, very good, uh, close friends when I lived in Louisiana. We were in the Marine Corps together. We kind of rose up in the ranks together. Uh, we've both since gotten out of the Marine Corps. I'm in uh, station in first civ div now. Uh, Wes has since transitioned to the National Guard in Louisiana, and he's got his commission. Uh, we both graduated college after the Marine Corps, so yut for that uh wes is now a second lieutenant in the national guard so one big reason why i want to bring my good buddy wes in is let's talk about that decision uh to get out of the marine corps and switch to the army which is really where i want this next season of this podcast to go so um the day before yesterday or no it was yesterday we recorded a podcast with my very close friend chuck burton who got out of the marine corps after 15 years of active duty uh and decided to just hang it up there uh he didn't want to pursue it any further so we really dove into that decision for him personally so we're going to talk to wes uh a little bit about that so but before we get into that decision i'm going to go ahead and give wes a chance to introduce yourself so without further ado wesley lejeune hey keenan thank you good to be on buddy so absolutely man i met keenan 11 12 years ago at this point uh, we, we were in the DEF, I think, out of yep. Lafayette. So the DEF, for those of you who don't know, is, is pre-boot camp Marine Corps, where they train us to get ready to go to the Marine Corps. So I was familiar with him then. We didn't go together. You left before me. I did. And at the time, I believe our unit was set to deploy. Correct me if I'm yep. wrong. Yep. So we were scheduled uh, to go to Somalia, I think. Something something in the in the spring of 2012. Yeah. So, you know, I won't get into what drove me into the Marine Corps, but suffice it to say, I, I wanted to join to deploy. I had some friends who kind of pushed me towards that infantry route, and I just kind of followed followed them. So, in October 2011, I went to boot camp. I was joining the reserves out of Baton Rouge 323 Weapons Company specifically to deploy. And while I was in boot camp, I think there were some rumors that things were going to start changing. But those were just rumors. I get out of boot camp. I get to SOI, School of Infantry for 0331 Machine Gunner. And everything was going fine until a little over halfway through when I got a call with a group of other people telling us that the needs of the Marine Corps had changed. And that our units were either disbanding or they were changing their mission set. So 323 Weapons was transitioning to 323 Truck Company, and I would no longer be a machine gunner. Our deployment was off, which was rough for me, a brand new Marine, being that the only thing I wanted to do at the time was deploy. It was kind of the only reason that I joined the Marine Corps to begin with. So uh, I made a decision to stick with it become a motor team mechanic so were you school. were you given the option to get out or was it like hey you either have to go as an operator or mechanic you have no other choice 
I was not given the option to get out because of my vicinity to an, a unit. So some of the guys, because their units completely disbanded and the closest unit was three, 400 miles away, were given the option to either join those units or get out. But since I live so close to an active reserve unit, it was just, hey, here's, here's the deal, Bo. What a buzzkill, though. Like you're in yeah. ITV, you haven't even made it to the fleet. You you know uh -huh. you're not you're not like disgruntled yet, right? Everything you know is like motivation and honor, courage, commitment. Like you're so freaking full of motivation oh, yeah. and the want to kick indoors and shoot people in the face and to get like kicked in the nuts like that. And it's like, oh, by the way, before you even get to really greet your family in dress blues or say you're a marine. You get to get out like that sucks. Yeah, dude. That's yeah no, it was it was terrible. And especially because, you know, not to get too much into to why a lot of people join the Marine Corps in particular, but I think a lot of people do it for personal reasons and this sense of pride. Right. Being a Marine is right. sort of above and beyond the rest of the branches. And uh, there's the, the age old battle between pogues and non pogues. And at the time. It, it was a big thing. You're in ITB and you're you're not a poke. You're going to be a grunt. And, and that sort of becomes part of your identity. And to have that ripped away from you, it's like they take part of your identity from you, right? And to say, hey, you still have six years left, by the way, finish it out. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was disgruntled from the start, but I was – I became very aware of the fact that the military was going to do what they would with me, and it wasn't – it had nothing to do with me, right? It, they would screw me if they had to screw me. Uh, and I, and I, I, I battled with that for a while. Going to mechanic school was not easy because I didn't want to be there. Uh, and right. I saw myself I saw myself in a way as better than because I, had cho I hadn't chosen to be there when I was, all these other people had chosen to be these motor team mechanics. I'm like, no, I didn't choose to be a, a pogue like you. I wanted to be a grunt. That's, that's who I am. I'm not like this. Right. So it was rough. And then I get to a unit where I was the second non-infantry person to join the unit. Sarazen was the first, wasn't he? No, no, it was Steptoe. Steptoe ah. there before me. And I was the first lower enlisted. Right? Yeah. So it's hard. So I, I joined this unit. I'm a E2. I'm terrified of everything. I'm a PFC. Everybody's rough and tough grunts. And, and I'm a I'm a pogue who didn't want to be one. And so I'm trying to not only battle being a brand new PFC in a rough company, but one that they automatically look down on because of my MOS. And even though no one right. treated me differently, like it was it was always there. So that's when I think we were reintroduced was when I joined the unit in oh, June or July of 2012. And I had a re I had five years remaining on my contract from that point, and it was a weird time to be there. Yeah, at that point I had had I had been there for about six months, maybe. I probably wasn't yeah. a Lance yet. I was probably still a PFC. But yeah, so then yeah. Uh, it wasn't long after you got there, and like that was one thing I talked with Chuck yesterday was about how the whole fizz rig came down not long after you got there, probably around the same time, and they were basically like, hey. You know, obviously, you know that this is this is what's happening, and these are our options. And a bunch of people were like, "Oh, well, we're just going to go to Lafayette and 
And they were like, no, technically Lafayette's going away, which it's funny because it never did. They just didn't give uh they didn't give anyone they, the option to go to Lafayette. They are gone. They are gone now. I'll tell you that. I was there when they moved recently. Hmm. But yeah, it took a while. But, yeah. So that took I think that took that took about a year after I got there, which I'm grateful that it did because even though we had become a, officially a truck company, we were not at all a truck company. We had no trucks and we had no no drivers or mechanics, so we were still very much grunts doing grunt things, which definitely helped to shape my NCO self later down the road. But it was hard. When that fizz rig came, we lost a lot of good people, and we were non-deployable for the entire time that I was in the Marine Corps, which was rough because at that point in time, I was... I was young. I was relatively single, uncommitted. I had a girlfriend at the time, but no kids or anything. So it's like that's the time to really, you know, go kick down doors and do all that crazy stuff. And right. It was all spent in a non-deployable status, trying to figure out who we were, trying to to get on our feet as a as a company, as a unit. I will say that, like I said before. The people that were there, the the grunts there prior to them leaving, really shaped me as as a Marine and as an, an enlisted soldier. And without them, I probably would not have become the NCO that I did or the officer that I am today. And I mean, honestly, like being molded by grunts really helped you personally because obviously – in our relationship, a lot of what you and I did together really wasn't much motor T stuff. It was mostly, you know, running ranges together and, you know, going out and doing site surveys and, you know, rifles and machine gun training. And, you know, that's kind of what we did together, which is kind of where we, you know, we were always so close. And uh, I think the fact that well, you and I both, right? Because obviously, well, I went to, you know, I graduated ITV and I eventually went to Lat Move, which I went the same route as you. I just had two MOSs. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you got your shit out of the way faster, you know, like whereas I had to, I finished ITV, I was in the fleet for like a year and then I Lat Moved, which sucked. I hated I hated every minute of being on board Camp Johnson. I think that was the worst mm-hmm. place in the world. And then I was there as a <laughs> as a as a prior enlisted Lance. Mm-hmm. And but I was still treated like a regular ass entry level Marine. And I'm like, well, I'm not. And uh, not that I was like super entitled about it, but it's like, dude, I'm not. I'm not in the pipeline. Like I chose to come here. I've been in the Marine Corps for two, two years, two and a half years now, you know, which sucked. I hated every minute of that experience. I'll never, you know, I, I never, after that, I was like, I'm never doing that. And, uh, I wish I would have gone operator just because it was shorter, but also at the time. And like, that was one thing I talked about Chuck yesterday is the decision, like the, the choices that the Fizzery gave us were shitty. It's either you stay in as a grunt, push a broom for the rest of your enlistment, you're you're unpromotable, you're undeployable, uh, and then basically at the end of your enlistment, you have to get out. That's option one. Mm-hmm. Option two is get the fuck out. And then option three is lap move. Well, out of the three options, the only one that would allow me to re-enlist was lap move. And at the time, I was only like two years deep. I didn't know if I wanted to re-enlist. I just wanted to have an option yeah. when the time came. 
and obviously I did end up re-enlisting into the IRR, uh, or I think I extended, yeah, I extended, got points, and then I re-enlisted into the IRR, which actually I just dropped last Good month. For you. I'm officially you out, out, out of the military, mm-hmm. so I can smoke, smoke all the weed uh, I've ever wanted to in my life. Great, I haven't, <laughs> which is nice to, to have that going yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, man. So the the coolest thing is like we we you know although the time in a weapons company for both of us was relatively short, we still learned an immense amount of shit from our senior leaders as far as like mortars and machine guns and you know infantry tactics and stuff, which really helped us too specifically because we were able to use all that knowledge that we learned in those six months to a year. While surrounded by infantrymen, uh, it really allowed us to learn and then obviously take that knowledge and mold our junior Marines, which I think was a really, really big impact. Absolutely. And I would say even beyond the technical side of things, I still, you know, I'm 11 years into this and I still make decisions and revert back to things that I learned about discipline and uh you know good order and customs and courtesies from that first year in they didn't allow us and that's one thing i'll say for the marine corps especially those grunts is they didn't allow us to be anything less than perfect at what we did right like even if it was just line up in formation you were going to do it correctly right or there would be consequences if you're going to set up your tents it's going to be online and it's going to look good not because it has to for any functional purpose, but because that's what we did as Marines. And and I think that really molded me a lot, that instilling that discipline into me. Uh, and it's something that I miss, which we'll probably get to that when we, when we get over to my, my National Guard side of things. Right. So one thing, one thing that really intrigues me, though, is... Uh, how most of the dudes decided to just drop pack. Um, they were, you know, they were given options, several different options. And at the end of it, they were like, no, I think I'm just going to go ahead and get out. And like one thing that I was talking, did you listen to the the last podcast episode that we did? No, with Chuck? I, I, can't, I didn't. So uh, with Chuck, I was talking to him. So Chuck, the guy who I interviewed yesterday, he, uh, he does mortgage lending. So, um, we talked about like VA home loans and like certain tips for veterans and things like that. And while we were going about that spiel, I was like, oh, it's funny that I brought this up because I kind of forgot. I didn't even write it down. But it's funny because all the dudes that got out when that fizz rig came, uh, none of them rated rate VA loans now. Mm-hmm. No, none of them. You need what, and four it's, or six years? You need your full six, I think, right? Yeah, you have to do in – the, in the, I think in, in, active, yeah, in active duty, I think you can do three, three out of four. Uh, but in the reserves, you have to do a, at least one full, like a full six month, six year enlistment uh, mm-hmm. to raid VA loans, which is weird because the reserves you can also do a four by four contract. You don't have to do a six by two contract. But if you do four by four, you don't rate VA loans, you don't rate SGLI, you don't rate it. And I'm like, why would anybody choose a four by four if you don't get any any benefits from it? But yeah, so that was one thing that I talked to Chuck about because a lot of dudes like Tyler, for example. You know, he tried to get a VA home loan and he fought tooth and nail to get it. All right, and he wasn't able to get it. I think the, out of all the people that I know, 
really well uh, that got out of that time. I think Henry Laville was the only one to get it. I want to say he either like snuck by the system or he had to lawyer up to get it. So yeah. he either had to really fight or he was able to sneak in there. But I think Tyler tried to get it and they, they he wasn't el- he's not eligible for well, VA. And like I have no idea what they told those people during that fizz rig, but No, they they told them specifically because one person asked one person asked, Are we losing any benefits? And they said no. Nothing. You will lose no yeah. benefits. And I was like, damn. You know, which obviously I chose to stay in anyway, but but yeah, all them dudes, none of them, none so, of them are gonna. You know, that uh, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't at all. Which is part of the reason I ended up abandoning the Marine Corps. But honestly, it's not really. It's not just the Marine Corps in general. I mean, look at look at the VA. Right. Uh, I've been fighting with the VA for like disability for like hearing loss and, you know, a, a couple other things. Um, bro, for like two years, ever since I got out, I've been fighting with them and they just deny, 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 deny. And they're going to deny everything until basically I'm fed up and I have to lawyer up, which I think is the wrong way for for them to treat someone who served honorably for nine years. It's not like I was in for two years and did nothing. I mean, you and I were constantly at ranges. If you don't think that I have tremendous amounts of hearing loss, terrible mm-hmm. tinnitus, sleep loss due to tinnitus, like you're out of your box. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think it's just the Marine Corps in general. I think it's the de- the Department of the Army, Navy, everybody. I think it's the whole system that's fucked. And it's basically set to get conscripted people – have them serve their time, and then whatever cost the United States the least amount of money to like get them out and you know get them to leave them alone. I think that's their whole mindset behind it. Which so I don't think it's just a Marine Corps problem, Wes. I think it's just a systematic problem in general. You could be right. Um, I will say, yeah. I mean, in my experience, being in two branches and interviewing for a third I received the least amount of information from the Marine Corps out of the other two <laughs> yeah but, that that is a thing too uh, because like I think in the Marine Corps which they would withhold information for like no reason and it's like why 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 yeah. does that matter why does that matter like you know what time well what time are we leaving what time are we coming back you know where are we going what range are we gonna be at OPSEC. Who gives a fuck? We're a reservist unit. <laughs> We're a reservist unit going away for it. Range 2B at Fort Polk. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, who cares what time we're going to be there? Like, no one, ISIS does not care about 115 reservists who are doing their table one at Fort Polk. <laughs> you know? So, yes, I could attest to that. So, you go back to this uh, third branch. What's that about? Yeah, so the Space Force. It was nice. No, so about a year ago, I got invited to a JTAC tryout, which is Air Force. Uh huh. Sort of, sort of like their. It's not Special Forces, but it's 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 closer to like like their Marsoc type stuff of the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, so I got invited to a tryout. I went to the tryout. It was fun. I got offered a slot. Uh, and I turned it down 
because of where I was at in my life and my family and everything. It's a super long pipeline. It's about a year and a half of of school. If you go through on time, which generally you don't go through on time, there's some breaks in between the the training. So, and let's be on, let's be honest, you're not getting any younger. You're probably gonna have I'm an injury in there. And I was gonna have to jump out of airplanes, and I'm sorry, I don't like to fly in airplanes on a good day. So, I'm not going to jump out of one if I can avoid it. But yeah, I went to that and it was pretty cool. At another point in my life, about ten years ago, I would have jumped on the opportunity. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they were they were just very upfront about everything, very helpful, very knowledgeable, and I had only had experience with them for two or three days. You know, they helped me out more than I would say, or helped me out. They were they were more honest and upfront with me than than the Marine Corps probably ever was. The whole time I was in. I, look, I. I I love the Marine Corps for many things, but I chose to get out after six years, and, and there were some pretty definitive reasons why. Right. So. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, you know, dudes get out the Marine Corps for a plethora of reasons. And, like, when I talked to Chuck yesterday, like, my defining moment for me specifically was um, – I wanted to get out and I was at the point in my life where I'm like, okay, like I, you know, like the, the idea of me doing 20 to 30 years is just that I just don't think that's any, any longer in the playbook for me. I've moved to Texas and you know, the, the there's no unit within like three hours that rates my six MOSs. Um, I, it's time for me to move on. And when I talked to Captain Perkins about it and Staff Sergeant Turner and, you know, Staff Sergeant O and, you know, my entire chain of command, Steptoe was there. And I basically told him, I'm like, listen, so here's the reasoning, right? One is uh, I don't rate travel as a sergeant, right? So in order to rate travel pay, I have to be a PME complete E6, which obviously I'm not. And, uh, and then on top of that, on a personal note is I wanted sleeve tats, but that's, you know, completely <laughs> subsidiary. But uh, I was like, yeah, so, you know, and uh, so I was put up for a meritorious C6. And I basically told him, I was like, well, I think that's going to be my defining moment for me is that if I get selected, I'll stay in. Because at that point, I would have, bro, I would have been like a eight and a half year E6, which is really difficult to attain. uh mm-hmm in the reserve Marine Corps, especially in the 3,500 field. So basically I was like, look, you know, if, if I can get E6 at eight and a half, I feel like that's a really good achievement for me. And basically I have 11 years to get gunny. I mean, yep. that's to me, you know, to retire as an E7 is, is respectable. So, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I feel like if I can get, if I can get staff sergeant at eight and a half, I'll stay in. But I want you got all to know, the entire room to know, the entire everyone, like that is my defining moment. And I know that's difficult to attain because there's only one spot available for that meritorious promotion. And if the Marine Corps deems me ready, then I'll I'll run with it. And obviously I wasn't selected. So uh, and then they acted so surprised when I dropped papers. Like, what do you mean? Oh, you were serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, you should have you should have drafted up a better package. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, like um, I was like, I'm not willing to travel from Dallas to Baton Rouge once a month and not get reimbursed for that travel. Which it's funny now that I'm out, they allow sleeve tattoos. Yeah, oh I know. 
They lost leave tats, and now PME complete E5s get reimbursed for travel. Which, it's funny, because when I brought that up to Chuck, I was like, I would like to think that I was the reason for that. Or at least yeah. part of, at least part, at least part of the reason. Sure, hold on to that all you want. I will, I actually. Hope you sleep better. I will. Well, you know, so I can think of three very specific things that drove me away. One of them was you, actually. Not you in, in particular, anything you did, but you had tried to become an officer at one point. I did. You looked, in, you looked into it. and Actually, actually, I was, you were I just, was selected. I was selected. Uh, I was not at selected. first, right? No, so it was the second time. So I tried the first time. I wasn't selected. Well, actually, I tried mm -hmm. for a MESET package when I was in the delayed entry program. I wasn't selected. And then later on... I did, uh, was it like PL, PLC, platoon leaders course or whatever, um, which is like for the enlisted guys. So I tried it. I wasn't selected the first go round. The second go round, I was selected. I was selected. Uh, they reconvened the board and removed me. So basically uh, something happened uh they took me and another guy off who were stallion you know the other dude was a stallion mm -hmm. they took me and him off and they added two people that were minorities i and, remember and that it's something that that bro that that fucked me up that did mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that like to when that happened like that fucking killed me that killed me because it was my dream in my, my entire life. I wanted nothing more than to be a commissioned officer in the Marine Corps. And when they took that away from me because of the color of my skin, which they can say all they want that that wasn't the reason when I know that was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like my PFT scores were better than the dude that they took me off from uh, and everything. And when that happened, it killed me. And uh, – I called my uncle, who's a retired first sergeant. I called him and I told him of everything that happened or whatever. And he was basically like, look, Keenan, it's not going to be the first time in your military career that something like this was going to happen. And he kind of pushed me to to stay in the fight. But after that, that just put such a bad taste in my mouth, dude, that I, I wanted nothing to do with the, you know, getting a commission anymore. And was that before GB was going? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, before yeah, I, yeah, I don't even think I was a corporal. I was a lance at the time. Because Phoebe was the second thing. Yeah. Uh, that was that time we had drill. It was a home station drill. It was not a high priority drill. And they made you stay there until the very last possible moment with your wife in the hospital. To the point where you had to tell them, "Look, if I gotta go, I'm going. Sorry." Uh, and I remember thinking, "What, what sense does this make? Keeping a guy here?" for a drill weekend that's not not that significant right and then the third one was was Hostad with his his internship that he effectively lost because he was forced to go to an AT that he didn't necessarily need to go to right uh, and so my whole Marine Corps career what I saw a lot of was that the Marine Corps didn't really care about the Marines as people. They cared about them to the extent that they could accomplish a mission, which I understand is the military and I get it, but 
I think that they they did not look at any extenuating circumstances and and look at and also where I we think were can balance I, things out. I think the mindset behind a war machine is different or should be different than the mindset behind like peacetime Marine Corps, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing if there's like an active war going, mm -hmm. right? I totally get it, right? Yeah. I totally understand. Fuck your feelings. Like, I don't care about your personal life. Mission is everything. And I understand Absolutely. that. I get that. That's what we signed up for. But it's like, dude, this is peacetime. This is peacetime Marine Corps. We wonder why retention in the Marine Corps is abysmally low. Like I'm talking, I'm talking like way lower than any other branch has ever been. Like you can take Marine Corps at the best retention times, put it up in the, against the Army at the worst retention times, and I guarantee the Army has better retention than the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Every day, the Guard. at least the National Guard. Yeah, because them dudes stay in for fucking two hundred years. Well, the the school benefit is huge, and you add that on with our our tricare, and, and it's it's hard to beat. It really is. So, yeah, I, I you know it's hard for people I think that are listening that were not Marines to understand just how much the Marine Corps pushes pride in the Marine Corps, right? Like, I've always said that Marines are not good necessarily because they have a lot better skills than than people in other branches, because I've met people in other branches that are fantastic at their jobs and what they do. The Marine Corps is good because it convinces people to their core that they are better than everybody else. And they believe that so much that they perform at that level. But it also hurts them. Yeah. Right. So they build they build on pride, and, and pride's great and all, but it it can also be very misguiding, misleading. I remember when I was getting out, you know, I had some good reasons to get out. My time was up. I wanted to go back to school. The Marine Corps is not going to pay for that. The National Guard would. And and I, and I told them that I said, look, where I'm going at with my life, I'm about to get married. Or, or I was at that point getting closer to that. Uh, I wanted to go back to school. I really wanted to take myself in a different direction. And I hadn't really attained any any skills that I could use in the real world from the Marine Corps. And the Guard was going to offer me that stuff. And they were going to pay for a lot of it. And, and that's an easy choice just on the surface. And I remember one person, he was just like, yeah, dude, but you're a Marine. Are you really going to abandon the Marines? Thinking, Absolutely. Yes. yes. I, I, I'm about to start a family. Yes, I'm not going to stay here. So pride. now they kind of leave me alone because I guess like I'm out, out. But like in the last like six months, PSRs kind of stopped fucking with me because I guess they saw like, dude, this dude has like no time left in the IRR. Chances are he's not going to reenlist. Mm -hmm. But like my first year after dropping, dude, they wouldn't fucking leave me alone. And I had this one PSR who called me one day when I had time. Um mm -hmm. He was like, hey, you know, like, hey, devil dog, like, your Marines need you, man. Like, you need to get back into the fight. Like, dude, think about all the stuff the Marine Corps has done for you or whatever. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I tell you what. I tell you what, Gunny, who's probably never even looked at my record, you go ahead and tell me what the Marine Corps has done for me. Go ahead. 
He's like, well, I see you got a few promotions. I'm like, dude, I got those promotions by default. One of which mm-hmm. I only got promoted to sergeant because I extended as a corporal for a year and got points, enough points to get promoted. So I did that. I did that, right? With my own blood, sweat, and tears, I saved the Marine Corps for an extra year just to get promoted to sergeant. I was put up for merit one meritorious promotion, which I was not selected for. I was put up for three separate NAMs, none of which I got. One, another dude got the NAM that I did all the shit for. Like literally, as you're reading his rec, like as you're leading reading the actual like award, half of the shit in it was me. Didn't you get denied an award during the flood for I did put up for you from another branch? Yes, someone in the National Guard put me up for an award because I was assisting someone like uh, with logistics on trying to find people that were um, that trying to find people that were like uh, like stuck in their homes. Mm-hmm. And I was given an uh, I mean it's just an LOA, but it doesn't matter, right? I was given an LOA by a, a member of another service who I served in the Marine Corps with, and it was shot down by the Marine Corps. Because they were like, ah, is this really worth an award? It's like, dude, you've given awards for less. Yeah. And it's not even an award. It's just a letter of appreciation saying thank you for assisting, right? I saved – well, I'd say I saved, right? But I got the National Guard in contact with three families, three families mm-hmm. that were stranded, and I got that taken away from me. And it's like so freaking frustrating when that PSR was like, well, I mean, what has the Marine Corps done for you? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm like, dude, exactly. What have they done for me? What have they done for me? Except, they, okay, they sent me the coaches course. Thank you for your service, right? You sent me to something that the Marine Corps needed me to go to, and I just enjoyed the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, your Marines need you. I'm like, do they? Do they really need me specifically? Because I feel like if they need just me, that's a bigger problem. Yeah. Right. If the Marine Corps needs me to get back into the fight, it's like, how can they not have left off, like picked up where I left off? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude. And and P, like when I tried to tell the PSR, I'm like, well, bro, like, you know, like I started a business. I can't really take time away from that. I moved. You know, I have a family. You know, I have, you know, this, I have that. He goes, literally, bro, he did not give a fuck mm-hmm. what my reasoning was. He just wanted to get me to say, OK, I'll come to your office and reenlist. They don't give a yeah. shit about you. Yeah, I know. And look, not to sound like I'm bashing the Marine Corps too much, because I, I miss it a lot. Yeah, I, I do. There are things about it that I would give a lot to have back. And I have played with the idea of, of trying to bounce back over there one day. But uh, I think they could do with a little more, you know, a touch of modern thinking. Right? Their rigid lines are, are great and all, like you said, in wartime. But I've always I've always thought that if you invest in your people, then that'll pay dividends later on. And I can't say that the Marine Corps necessarily invest in their people for the sake of their people. Right. Yeah. And not for, uh, you know, when we, we talk about my officer stuff in a while, we we definitely do that where where I'm at now. So I will say this, the Marine Corps bred me as as an enlisted person and as an NCO. I learned everything that that I based a lot of my my leadership off of from from enlisted Marines and from NCOs in the Marine Corps. 
So, and I think you and I are, are unique in the fact that we spent much of our Marine Corps career battling shitty NCOs. I mean, that was. Like, that well, was it also. Yeah, it, it it also helped, I think, too, that you and I, you and I were like a different breed, I think, compared to the people, you know, like all the Motor T dudes that we grew up with. Um, and then also it helped a lot that you and I were very often surrounded by staff and COs and officers, mm-hmm. you know, because we were, you know, doing training evolutions and ranges and we weren't always at the shop turning wrenches with a bunch mm-hmm. of lances and PFCs and you know, all that other shit, right? We were up at the offices doing work, getting prepped for other stuff. So I think our mindset is probably different than most of the sergeants who were in the 3500 field at the same time we were, uh, just because we weren't necessarily always around the junior guys. We were up at, you know, doing, uh, you know, more logistical, more logistical things, planning things and stuff like that. So I think a, a lot of, a lot of our decisions were based off of us constantly going toe to toe with, you know, staff NCOs and, you know, senior sergeants and officers who, you know, wanted us to do certain things. And we we're like, no, you know, no, sir, respectfully, I think we should do this and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think a lot of them, a lot of us, a lot of them respected us for that because you and I, unlike most most NCOs in the in the I would say in the Marine Corps, I don't know how it is in the Army, but you and I were unlike most NCOs, we weren't necessarily yes men. Yeah. Which I, yeah, I find I find that the Marine Corps in general, once you break that sort of sergeant approaching E6 sort of area of your career, like that sort of make or break point. So many sergeants who like grew up and and, you know, they 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 cared about, you know, Marines welfare and all that other stuff. I feel like a lot of them don't really care once they get to that point, because once you make staff, well, sergeant almost a staff sergeant, uh, you care more about career progression than your junior Marines, which is a bigger problem. And I think that's probably why I never got meritoriously promoted was because I was constantly like, no. No, I will not make my Marines wake up at 2.15 in the morning to do this. Or no, I will not allow this to happen. We need to go, you know, the range is going cold at this time. You know, I'm not willing to do that. We're not willing, you know, this is unsafe. And although our command was moderately respective of our boundaries, I think that did sort of hinder you and I uh, as far as career progression. What do you think? Uh, you know, I never cared about career crash, career progression in the Marine Corps. I don't care about it now, honestly. I think that I would say for me, what may have hindered career progression eventually, and I think it probably apply to you as well, is we were we would balance out needs of the Marine Corps with needs of the Marines, right? Like I was always thinking about needs of the Marines. What do they need? I I understand what the mission is. What do my Marines need? Right. And I don't think that that's something that was necessarily valued very highly because sometimes needs of the Marines 
is a, a direct uh, or directly is directly opposed to the needs of the Marine Corps. And so then what do you do? You have to make decisions. And I would always try to make sure that my Marines were taken care of. Sometimes at well, the like, cost of the mission, regardless of, because sometimes I thought maybe the mission's not like, is it really that serious that we get these classes done tonight, yeah. right? Do we need to be here till eight o'clock? I, I don't, and maybe that's just because at the time I didn't understand. I hadn't seen mine occurred yet. I was a corporal for most of my time in the Marine Corps as an NCO, and then I was a sergeant for a very short time. So I didn't get to really lean into the sergeant part heavily, but I was always trying to do what was, was best for the Marines. And I didn't like to play the games. Right, like I didn't like to yeah. the whole. Well, one person doesn't have their gloves, so we're all gonna freeze. Well, well that's yeah, stupid. No. Because yeah. now we're all the one person who doesn't have it is gonna freeze, right? And then uh, what you want us to do is you want us to be to be bullies and deal with the problem at our level. And what does that teach people do to be overly aggressive and deal with problems aggressively? And and why would I do that? You know, maybe they just forgot their gloves. It happens. Yeah. So, well, it's like remember, uh, you remember when you and I worked on that seven ton till like do what, like four o'clock in the morning when we were yes, at Camp Shelby, and mm -hmm. it was just what you, me, I think A Bear was there, uh, uh, and maybe Durio came with us. But I think yeah. I think I think we sent A Bear and Durio to bed, and maybe we Peters sent, was there. We sent all the Marines to bed, and what Latson might have been there. Yeah, it wasn't. It was somebody it, it, decided to stay up with us. Yeah, it was just you, me, and one other person. And dude, we worked on that seven ton. We finally got it like towable at like four fifteen in the morning when Revly was at like five thirty. So by the time you and I took a shower, you know, changed over and like tried to snuggle into bed, it was probably close to Revly, and they still made us wake up at five thirty. And then when we tried to explain it, because I told. Uh, what was not it wasn't step toe martin staff sergeant martin and uh, i was like hey staff sergeant like dude me and wesley like bro we just went to bed he's like i don't give up but you know it's like mm -hmm. i'm sorry sure. you know and i you know what we should have done we should have been like all right fine that's fine we'll go wake up and we should have put we should have put that freaking uh put that shit back on that seven ton mm -hmm. just so it so it wasn't towable you know and mm -hmm. well and i you know that 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 was a perfect example of like we sent them home or we sent them to bed because we got the info at like nine o'clock at night hey this, this truck has to be towed tomorrow it has to be towed tomorrow so we have yeah. to work on this well why Do, like does it really have to be towed or did somebody above you say they wanted it towed and now you're trying to get it towed to look you know like yeah let's look at this and then okay let's say it does have to be towed all right we work all through the night what are we doing the next day do you really need us awake immediately for what we're doing the next day to be tired potentially cause safety issues if we have to drive a vehicle or should we get some sleep if that if time allows yeah because i think all you and i yeah i think all because we were both corporals at the time i think and I think all you and I were doing the next day was we were going to take the machine gun classes so that we could coach the machine gun shoot like in two days. So I was like, machine okay. Machine classes that we didn't need because we knew right. machine gunnery. So yeah, it, it was things like that that I was like, what's going on here? So, you know, that, that helped push me out. That really did. Okay, so let's, let's divulge from shitting on the Marine Corps. 
Okay. <laughs> and let's let's talk about your decision. One, uh, to get your commission. Okay. Uh-huh. And then why was it specifically the National Guard? Right, which you kind of so, touched on it a little bit about the schooling and uh, stuff like that. But why specifically, like, why not just go to the National Guard and say, screw it, and just go to the National Guard as a sergeant? Why Why pursue getting a commission? Did you go to have to so, go to, like, OCS or whatever, or did you just get a commission by default? Okay, so before we get into that, I, I think people need to understand Marines hate the National Guard so much. Well, I think reservist Marines hate the National Guard because we were constantly around them. As we grow as people, we realize that that's sort of a stupid thing. But, you know, they were the nasty guard to us. And, yeah. and, and you look at some of them, and, and I think that something I always appreciated about the Marine Corps is height and weight standards are a thing, right? And and they hold to that, whereas the National Guard does not. Does not. <laughs> um, and so – as a Marine, you you definitely, nine out of ten Marines, I can almost guarantee, look down on the National Guard. So the decision to go from a, a Marine to a National Guard is is a big deal. It's not like, oh, he just decided to join the Guard. Easy. Yeah. Right? Uh, so 100%, the reason I joined the National Guard is for the monetary benefits that they were going to offer me, the, the way that they were going to help me improve my life that the Marine Corps was not. At this point in my life, six years into the military, being used and abused by the Marine Corps, I was disenfranchised with the military 100%. I wanted to get out. I said I was going to get out after my six years. If I would have had a one-month break in the military, I would not be here today. But I needed to go to school, and the guard was going to do that for me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to just saddle up, and I'm going to go for – I'm going to do another – six years whatever it takes and i'll get my degree and go from there officer was two reasons one is money right? officers get paid more than enlisted and if i was going to have to suffer through this then i was going to get paid for it 100 percent. and the other reason i think was we lost some fights with officers you and i in our time as ncos and i didn't want to have to lose fights with with officers anymore so you fight fire with fire. I said, I'm going to become an officer and I will be able to take care of people better. I yeah. And actually little, most of the power, most of the shouting matches that I did get into with commissioned officers were second lieutenants. So, <laughs> well, I like to think that I'm a little bit different than many second lieutenants. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't yell at you that much. I don't think it wouldn't work. So, which I think is why I think I, I operate well. But that's why I joined the Guard. And I had heard, you know, you start to kind of see things like we would be having these miserable, boring drills in the National Guard unit that was attached to our building was having a crawfish boil. And they were having fun. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, we're not our, our, The best was they would play football for PT and while we were running like 11 miles. like And throwing up and we're miserable. You know, and I'm like... What is it? You know, is the grass greener on the other side? It sure looks greener. (laughs) You know, so I joined the guard. Uh, I went through ROTC to get my commission. Killed two birds with one stone. Went to college. Did the whole officer thing at the same time. Um, It was, it was an experience. Because, you know, how you talked about earlier, you went back to Motor T school and you were like, well, I've been in here a couple of years. I kind of know what I'm doing and y'all are going to treat me like I'm just everybody else. 
Well, when you go through ROTC, you were you were like everybody else again. Now, there was a little level of how do I say this without sounding pig-headed? I guess respect that they had for me in the program because I was an NCO. I was a sergeant. I was actively a sergeant in the National Guard when I joined them. I, I knew what I was doing a little bit, so uh, they appreciated me for that, and, and I was able to use that to my advantage. Um, I, I will openly admit that I went into ROTC with the same mindset that I went into mechanic school with. Screw these kids. These yeah. 18, 19-year-old college kids. I was 26 or 27 at the time when I joined ROTC, I think, 25. Uh, I'd been in the military for six years. I was a sergeant. I'm like, screw these little punks. They're stupid. It, that quickly went away. I was I was humbled by them very quickly and realized that they were very – a lot of them were very competent people who were going to grow to be very excellent officers. So – and I made some really good friends in ROTC that I, I still talk to to this day. But I went the ROTC route, did college. ROTC has a – a two-week camp, or I say two weeks. I, I, I lie. I take that back. It was, it was a month. It was a little over a month in Fort Knox that I did as sort of like your culminating task. And and I will say, and you might not believe me, but I will say this: that was the hardest training exercise that I have yet experienced in my Marine Corps or, or in my military career. It was much harder than. What's, what are we doing? Twenty-nine palms, XTC. Oh, hey, is that Alex? It is. Alex. She lives with us okay. now, so. Really? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't get you to Hold Texas. Off. I couldn't get you to Texas, so I got her to Texas. We're we're still trying. Believe me. Shh, don't tell Mary. Um. So yeah, it was it was hard, dude. It it was. It was a rough time in the field. It's a complete. It's a course completely built on building leadership and camaraderie and teamwork, and you know, learning that being a leader isn't always being in the front, but being a good follower as well. So it, it was a it was a really great course, and that was honestly, it, it was hard for me at first because. The, a lot of the people that I interacted with were E4s in the Army, E5s in the Army. And I'm thinking, like, you're talking to me like I'm a piece of shit. Right. Calling me calling me uh, cadet this, cadet that. Like, bitch, I spent more time in the military than you. Who do you think you are? And I, I will say, sometimes, you know, they would find out. They're like, oh, you're a sergeant. Oh, you're in the Marines. And they would they would chill. And it, it made my, my time a little easier, but not, not all the time. And I, I had to realize that like you're never done learning right so i had things that i could learn from these people i i was once again at the bottom of the barrel and i had to act accordingly and i think that that's another thing that has really helped to build me but i can't Which, do that. i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up uh about like learning so much and having to kind of put your student sort of hat back on uh so when i went to coach's course i thought i was big shit Right. And then when I went to instructor's course, I thought it was bigger shit. And then when I went to instructor's course to, you know, be a PMI and everything, uh, bro, I was probably the least qualified person in that room. 
Mm-hmm. Like I was in that room with like like legitimate fucking war fighters, right? Dudes yeah. who were like on the reserve marksmanship team who have like who were like distinguished and you know uh, which not many people know it, right? There's obviously uh, marksman sharpshooter and expert, right? You know, there's like actually like thirty awards that are higher than expert. I had no idea. Yeah, so it ends with being distinguished and being the double distinguished. You're distinguished in pistol and rifle. They had two people in that instructor's course that were double distinguished, bro. Mm -hmm. And so after that instructor's course, when I got home, I was like, okay, let's calm down, right? Let's figure out who we are. And now when I walk into a room, I never assume that I'm the subject matter expert of anything, right? I own a gun store. When a customer comes in, I still assume that they may know more than me because it's possible, right? I don't know you from Adam and I want to. So if I put on the hat of like, I know everything, I shut off everything, and I'm not receptive to new knowledge, which as a as a business owner or as a student of weapons craft, I always strive to at least learn one thing a day, mm-hmm. right? And it may, it may be the most meaningful thing, right? The, the outside diameter of a roll pin on an AR uh, on the bolt catch, right? But I know that now, right? And that's new information for me that I'm never going to forget or try not to forget. And so maintaining that sort of student mindset is something that in the military, not a lot of people take for granted. Because the biggest thing in the military is the whole thing is like a dick measuring contest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so when I was out there, like, what good does it do you to toot your own horn, right? Because then when you fail, you, you look like an idiot. Even more so than everybody else. That's Uncle Wesley High. <gasps> hey, Peeps. Hey. You are so big. Oh, my God. You guys say, when are you going to come visit us? When are you going to come visit us? Maybe in the summer with my new little baby. You're having a new baby? <laughs> a little boy. All right, let me, let me and Uncle Wes uh, finish our podcast, okay? Okay. I love you. Love you. Fuck you. Oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, like what, what good does it do you to, to toot your own horn? And I quickly learned too, and this is sort of the, uh, this is why, this is one of the things I learned from the Marine Corps or from being enlisted, kind of learn how to be a shitbag. Right? Like sometimes it's fun to fly under the radar. You don't, you really want to skate a little bit. You don't always want to take on everything. And if, if I go somewhere yelling about how much I know then who do you think they're going to put all the shit on? Right. Right. But if I go in very quietly and I just blend in with everybody else, maybe I'll get out of some, some shitty things I didn't want to do anyway. Uh, but two of the people in that, that course with me that were the kindest, just most, uh, I would say respected people there was a dude who was an E seven green beret who was going back through to be an officer and then there was an E6 who was, he had been to ranger school, which, I mean, ranger school is a very beefed up version of what we were doing. He shouldn't have even, neither of those two people should have had to go through this course. They did not need lessons on leadership, but, but they were there and they were not there yelling about how great they were. They were very much there supporting the people around them, being leaders when they needed to be leaders and being followers when they needed to be followers. And so, you know, I really learned, I learned a really important lesson about leadership from them. Um, but, but yeah, I, I commissioned, I became an officer and I've been, I've been an officer for a little over a year and a half. I commissioned 
February of 21. We got one more that wants which, to say which hi. Which one is this? This is Freya. This is the new one. When did you have her? I mean, I knew that, but... Well, it's crazy. I didn't have her. Janae had her. Oh, no. Hi. Say hi. She, hi. Hi. She just turned one last month. Oh, my God. That's adorable. Okay. I'm interrupting bedtime. Well, I'm sure. I'm so very surprised Gunner hasn't come in here. And like, oh, Wes. Oh, Wes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, I tell you, let's start. Let's start dialing it down a little bit. So we kind of talked about most points that I really wanted to touch base with you on. Kind of understanding your decision to get out the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and go in the Army. The last question that I really have for you is, being as you are more. Our time in the Marine Corps as NCOs, we really went to bat for our junior Marines. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, do you think you have more influence as an NCO over your junior Marines, or do you think you have more influence as a commissioned officer, and why? That's a great question, Lord. That I didn't prepare you for. So, yeah, not at all. I mean... I would say that as an officer, you you have the ability to to touch more people because, I mean, you're you're in charge of more people, right? So, so my influence extends farther just just because I'm in charge of X amount of people and just grows from there. As you get farther up, you're less personally involved with people, so it becomes sort of that thing where maybe I don't directly influence. The, the lower enlisted folks, but did I have an impact on my platoon sergeant who then passed some of what he learned from me onto his squad leaders who then passed that on to their their squads, you know? Sort of like the commander's intent sort of so, sort mindset. Of, sort of, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a second lieutenant, so do I still get down and dirty with with Joe, with everybody? Absolutely, right? Like, I am there working. Which I feel I like you have work. to be. You have to be pretty close to first lieutenant by now, right? I, I I'm not PME complete. As <laughs> PME complete, I it's will. Uh, yeah, I will automatically promote. Well, um, let me know. Unlike Evan, let me know when you get promoted, please. I will happily fly down and be there for the promotion ceremony. I'll shoot. I'll shoot you a text. Uh, it'll be another two years, probably. In all honesty. I need like a month. I need a month as an advance. All right, well, I believe me, I'll get that amount of time. It takes forever in the guard, and you know. But no, dude, it's it's been it, it's been interesting being an officer. It's, it's you know, growing up enlisted, I was terrified of officers, and when when I first became an officer, all I wanted to do was avoid them because I, I didn't like them, and that was ingrained in me. But you, you, I can't. They're they're my people yeah. now. So I, I had to learn to not be scared of other officers. And then I had to learn to let go of, of the enlisted mentality. Like, there are times when I cannot do something, not because I'm not physically capable, but because I have to let the, the NCOs do it, right? And there, were, there are times where I will turn to an NCO and say, hey, go tell those people this needs to be done, when I could easily walk over there and do it myself. But they need that development more than I need the people to get this stuff done, you know? So yeah. I, I had to back off being 
a sergeant, which was super hard at first. And it still is at times because I, I want to be a sergeant. I want to be down there doing things with them, but I'm not. And, and the farther I get away from second lieutenant, it, it, I have to back away less and or more and more and more. But, you know, as far as influence, I think that right now as a second lieutenant, even a first lieutenant, when you are a, a platoon leader in the Army, you still have, have an effect on the lower enlisted because you're with them. You're, you're with your platoon. I mean, you, you're with the commander every now and then, but you're doing a lot of stuff with them in the field. Uh, I operate as a XO now more than I do as a platoon leader. So that really pulls me away from the lower enlisted. And it gets me behind the scenes doing everything, you know. I understand, you know, we, you know how we used to fuss about, like, why are we here till 5 o'clock? We could have left at 3, we could have left at 2. Why are we sitting here doing nothing? Well, I know why now. I see yeah. everything that goes behind the scenes. Uh, so it, it's it's a different world, and it's it's scary because as, as the leader, you are responsible for everything that happens regardless of, you know, I can't help if a brand new E1 who just got in does something stupid on a range. There are certain yeah. things that are just out of my control, but ultimately it comes back to me. If I'm the, the range OIC, for instance. So it's a different world. It's, but it's fun. There's things that are fun about it. Right? So do you, do you wish you would have gone officer sooner? No. No, absolutely not. I've I've met many bad officers who were yeah. either very lower enlisted, like E3s, and then became officers and think, like, oh, I'm hot shit because I was prior enlisted. I was a Mustanger, yeah. Yeah, like, I know what the fuck's going on. They, they weren't able to develop as leaders before they developed an attitude. And then I've also met officers who were brand new, never touched the military before, and they are terrible. Because I feel, like, I feel like being able to coach, to be being able to coach one of your uh, one of your NCOs, if you've never been in that position, yeah, it's really difficult to do, right? So, like, it's hard for me to tell you how to do your job because I've never been a platoon commander, mm -hmm. right? Just like if you've never been a platoon sergeant, it's going to be hard for you to tell me how to do my job. So mm -hmm. I think it that progression, like, I think the idea of just becoming a commissioned officer from the get-go, right? And this is coming from a person that trained lieutenants at TBS in Quantico. Uh, it's different because I've been in the, from the lower enlisted to, you know, moderately middle, right? Sergeants, backbone of the Marine Corps, right? And if you've never been in that position, it's really difficult for you to tell me or to even coach me you know, to yeah. guide me how to do my job if you've never been in that position, right? So, it's, and it's, it's funny because I, when I was at TBS, I could always tell the difference between Mustangers mm -hmm. and just college graduates, which it's it's different. So the way that, that, that lieutenants talked to, you know, me or like the range personnel while we were at TBS was different. So they weren't allowed to just be like, hey, Alamo, da 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 right? They were still in the pipeline, right? We still called them sir or lieutenant, uh, for the most part, we just called them lieutenant. Um, mm -hmm. But they weren't allowed to just be like, hey, Alamo, come see. Like, yeah. you, like you would be able to because you're commissioned and you're done with the pipeline and all this other shit. 
they had to call us by our rank. They actually, mm-hmm. actually, the you know what I mean? Like, they, they were super respectful about it. But you could always tell, like, if they thought they were better than me because they had a commission, which is funny because it's like, oh, well, actually, I have the same bachelor's degree you do. Yeah, right. So, you know, who really, really separates us? Yeah, who really gives a shit about that? But you could always tell the difference. And I think that it's, that's vital. Coming from someone who's never been, who's never had a commission because the Marine Corps didn't deem me. Yeah. Ness, you know, being... Look, it's a fine line you have to walk because the danger that you come into with a lot of Mustangs, or or I say a lot of, the danger that exists is I was an NCO, I was a leader, I know how it's done, I am going to disregard the people around me and do what I know, air quotes, to be correct. That's fair. And and you're not like right you're not the NCO anymore so it is times, your job to, times change yeah your your job is to give intent and then back off and let things happen well it's like think about like uh, you remember Captain Popham yes I mean very old gray hair Captain oh, yeah, right just the, he was there when we first started was that yes first? yeah he was yeah. I he was I and I so Captain Popham was a sergeant at uh in quantico he was pinned staff while he was at quantico right so he says he was a staff sergeant but he never actually led a single marine as a staff sergeant yeah basically he was a sergeant when he went to quantico during his time you know in quantico he got pinned staff and then basically they immediately took it off because he was in quantico yeah and um or he was at ocs excuse me and he graduated and immediately got his commission so he never met led a single person as a staff sergeant and so a lot of times he would say like oh well when i was a corporal it was like this it's like dude you were you were physically a corporal 16 years ago yeah it's like dude things change yeah things or his personal favorite and i forgot who it was but i forgot who it was but he's like oh well you know i was a staff sergeant too and somebody like went like like not went off on him, but he was a captain. But they were like, "Well, you you never even led a marine as a staff and CO." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like you know, like times change, which is which is I, I've never really thought about that aspect of it. You know, for them to if they had like a sort of if they had a toxic leadership when they were a corporal, and they were like, "Oh, well, I was a corporal. This is how I did it." It's like yeah. nobody gives a shit, right? You know, the days of the bulldog are over. Right. This mm-hmm. is peacetime Marine Corps. We're here to keep Marines in. Right. So, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the numbers are so damn low. It's because that toxicity that, you know, from the lieutenant that when he was a corporal continues because that's how he was raised when it wasn't peacetime Marine Corps, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. You now know? he's a captain. He can influence, like you said, influence what, how many people in an entire company. Yeah. Right. But. And it's, yeah, it's a dangerous line. Um, I, I walk it, I walk it often. And I think that I, I like to think that I've learned to be more humble about things and, and that I navigate those waters re- relatively well. But, you know, I let people check me when they need to check me. And that's necessary. You know, that, that is necessary to get that sort of checks and balances and to be put in your place sometimes. 
You can't mm-hmm. be the all-star all the time, right? Um, but with all that being said, the last question that I have for you, uh, sure. which is, I love, I love the fact that I just thought about this. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a high school graduate, or let's yeah. say I'm a high school senior. Mm-hmm. What, Wesley? I'm torn. I don't know if I should join the National Guard or the Marine Corps. What do I do? Marine Corps. All day long. I learned everything. I don't want to say everything. That's that's very definitive. But I, I grew in the Marine Corps, right? And I grew in a way that I see National Guard soldiers not growing, not developing. And I think that the way that the Marine Corps trains people early on is very effective. I think that it can be very, you know, dangerous if they let it get to their heads. But I would not go back and give up what I learned from the Marine Corps for anything. So, uh, look, I got I know people who are thinking about joining the National Guard and the Army. I'm like, ah, look, dude, join the Marine Corps. Transition yeah. there. Go in, learn. But I, I think the Marine Corps trains people very well. It develops, and, it develops people. Yeah, the Marine Corps 100%, 100% made me but, into the man that I am today. I, I will no. You know, I will say this, and, and I, I had wanted to bring this up, so I think it's a good time. I would say join the Marine Corps, learn a lot from it, and if you feel the need to stay in the military and you're finding that the Marine Corps is, is really not developing you, then you need to move on to a different branch. In my experience in the Guard, and something that you know I personally believe in, and I'm very lucky to have a commander who believes the same thing as me, uh, we try to develop our people as people, and we try to give them skills that they can use to leave us. Because I want my people to grow and learn and move on away from me. Even if they're the best, that's great. And go on and find something better. Like, and I, I, I to hold on to you. Yeah, and I think in the Marine Corps, like one thing for me personally in my career, not outside the Marine Corps, right, is I would always teach my subordinates my job. Mm-hmm. because I eventually want you to take my job because I don't, well, first off, I plan on taking my boss's job, right? Yeah. And I want you to take my job or I'm going to go on and do something else. And I need you to teach how to do my job. Or if Keenan's shot in the face, if Sergeant A is gone, right? Done, finished, put me in a pine wood box and send my ass back to Louisiana. If I'm out of the fight, I need someone to be able to take my position. And I think in the Marine Corps, that is not taught enough is being able to teach your subordinates your job. And I think when Marines, Marines who are taught a great baseline in discipline and career progression and all this other shit, all these great traits in the Marine, the Marine Corps teaches you mm-hmm. when they leave the Marine Corps, they kick ass and take names regardless yeah. of what it is that they want to do. You know, and there was a great, great conversation that I had with Chuck yesterday about how he has I mean, this dude has amassed an amazing six-year career since he's been out the out the Marine Corps in mortgage lending, right? And me, I've built an amazing business in only two years, mm-hmm. built off of the fundamentals that the Marine Corps has taught me. And mm-hmm. I think you said it really well, is that if you want to join the military, join the Marine Corps. 100%, I am with you, and I'll be with you till the day I die. But if after six years or four years, if you choose to do active duty, if you just if you want to stay in, 
if you go somewhere else, you're probably going to be a rock star, and I'm sure you can agree with that. Um, so I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree with one thing. And then also on top of that, the friendships that I've made in the Marine Corps, I'll never be able to, like, shake off, right? You know, like yeah. you – I talk to Trace uh, probably two, three times a week, right? I talk to, to Evan pretty often, Dylan pretty often. You know, uh, there's so Sebastian, Chase, you know, Agat- mm-hmm. you know, uh, Oliveira, all the dudes that you and I kind of grew up with in the Marine Corps, those friendships, bro, are going to be with us till the day I die. Right. Yeah. And I think I don't know if we would if we would have gotten that sort of relationships. No, no. The Army does not build or I can't say this across the board. In my experience, where I've been in the guard, there the camaraderie that we had from the Marine Corps is not there; it's non-existent. And the army as a whole, or at least the guard as a whole, because I haven't seen active army, but the guard as a whole doesn't have the customs and courtesies and the pride and the history of the institution that the Marine Corps does. And all of those things, like you said, I think really develop Marines as people. If the army could get that together, I mean, I'd say join the army all day long, but yeah, but they don't. So Marine Corps all day, and the uniforms are better. Let's just be honest. Except the PT uniforms. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I look pretty good in silkies. So. Well, that's um, the Marine Corps uniforms. That's the same. Marine Corps uniforms are better. Are we? Yeah. No, I was talking about. Like, every, I was talking about every, like nasty green on green, but. Yeah, but there's a function there, right? Like the the Marine Corps uniform is also what you wear under the uniform, so that way when you take it off, you're in uniform. The army that doesn't true. function that way. The army doesn't function that way. You have a green shirt that you wear, and maybe PT shorts under that, which is not an official uniform. So you can't take that off and be in a uniform. That is fair. I, mi- is fair. I also miss uh, I also miss uh, boots and utes because the army doesn't have that, which I'm constantly fighting against. I will currently should, t-shirt and they tell me I'm out of use. You should draft up a uh, draft up an order there. Get that changed there. Yeah. Second second yeah. when, I'm, when I'm a general, sure. Yeah. So all right, brother. Well I really appreciate uh you hopping on with me, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. I do miss you. So anytime yeah. I would love to come to Texas. I don't get to go to Louisiana very often anymore. I go about two or three times a year now. But uh if you ever want to take a trip I, you know, you're more than welcome to shack up with us. So, yeah, look, I'll make it a point. And then next time I come down, we do this again. But be in the room with you and get rid of these mics and everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Well, um, Wes, so uh, anytime, uh, every episode we do, uh, one big thing, obviously, with the name of Cheap Therapy, is uh, I really harp on uh, mental health of men. So, uh, guys, uh, we all go through personal problems in life. Wesley knows me better than almost anyone else in this world. Uh, he knows some extraordinarily difficult things that I've gone through in my life, and and uh, through you know through Jesus Christ and 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 my wife, I was able to 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 truck through those things. But being able to talk about our problems as a man is something that's sort of frowned upon, and. Uh, 
that is why I wanted to make this podcast to give men an outlet. Whether you want to talk about your feelings or just listen to us talk about ours, that sort of makes me feel better. And so we like to end every single episode with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is simply 988. It is a very simple, shortened number. Literally 988 is a consummate professional on the other line. It's open 24 hours a day. You can call it literally anytime, even if you are a veteran or not a veteran, which is sort of where the second season of our podcast is going, is talking more veterans and things like that. But even if you aren't a veteran, you're just a dude or a woman who just wants to talk to someone, you simply call that number. And guys, I really, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When I say that, if you honestly think that the world would be a better place without you, I promise it isn't. So, guys, if you have any problems, you're more than welcome to call us at the shop. Um, we're in Broadway. We're off Broadway Boulevard in Garland, Texas. You can swing by. I'll happily make a cup of coffee for you. Sit down, talk you off that ledge. Fuck, I'll go meet you at your damn house if you need me to. But our number is 972-836-0565. If you have any issues or anything, if you want to talk about guns or business, right, I guess – Technically, that would be good for me to talk about my business on my podcast. Uh, you can definitely hit us up. Our email is info at lateralimits.com. Our website is simply www.lateralimits.com. If you're curious about any of our current inventory, you can simply go to the website, click on either inventory, or if you're on a mobile device, you can click shop now, scroll through all of our different uh, all of our different markets and things, and you can find something that you like. So, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 12 of Cheap Therapy Podcast. Next episode I have upcoming, I'm also bringing on a Marine uh, who has since transitioned to the National Guard, but in Texas. So we'll get a Texas Texas sort of mindset behind all of that. So um, it should be next on the schedule is my very close friend, Chase Turner, who is now a uh, recruiter for the Army National Guard here in, in Spring, Texas. So uh, Wesley, brother, thank you so much for coming on, man. I love you so much. Uh, I, we miss you, and uh, uh, we really look forward to, to talking again, buddy. Absolutely, Keenan. I'll see you as soon as I can. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is episode 12. Stay tuned for episode 13.